Hello and welcome to Violin Class, the podcast for the non-professional violinist. My name is Julia. I'm a violinist and violin teacher, and I'm here to share my tips and experience to help make learning the violin a little bit easier. In this episode, I will be going over some of the types of pieces in the classical violin repertoire, including some examples that you should listen to and familiarize yourself with if you're picking up the instrument. There are many, many pieces written for the violin, so if you have a new interest for the classical violin world, it can be a little overwhelming to know where to start. The goal of this episode is to help give you some background to help demystify and better understand the music that you like to listen to. I will definitely not be able to cover all of the most important pieces on the violin repertoire, and I don't intend to, but rather will try to give you some context and categorizations on the types of works that exist, and a few examples for you to listen to as starting points for your listening. Just a disclaimer that these categories are not cut and dry. My musical choices are also completely personal, and I think that every violinist could choose completely different examples. That said, I think having some structure in place will make some of this music a lot easier to understand and will help you discover new music as well. In future episodes, I will go through some of these pieces in much more detail and talk about what makes them so great, but for today, I will talk about the different types of pieces that are written for violin and some examples from each that you should listen to. One other thing I wanted to mention is that you may notice that I'm referring to the music as a piece rather than a song. In the classical world, we call a song a piece, and we only use the word song to refer to a piece written for voice. Confused yet? Uh, Yeah, but anyways, if you want to sound fancy, that's the word that you should use. And also sometimes a piece is really big and it's divided into smaller works that we call movements. Sometimes movements can be played alone as its own work, and sometimes they are only performed within the context of the overall piece. So we have pieces, and sometimes pieces are divided into movements. The other word I wanted to explain, in case you don't already know it, is the word repertoire that comes from the French répertoire, sometimes lovingly referred to as rep, and it's just a fancy word that we use to talk about the music that classical violinists play. All right, let's now get started into the music. I would divide up our repertoire into two categories. The first category is works written for unaccompanied or solo violin, so anything for a violin alone. And the second category is for violin and accompaniment, be it piano, orchestra, etc. So let's start with the music written for solo violin. Writing for solo violin has been a thing since the 1600s, and the earliest known work written for solo violin was in 1682 by Johann Paul von Westhoff. However, people have played solo violin in other styles way before that, probably as long as the instrument has been around. The cool thing about the violin is that although it's mostly considered a melodic instrument, meaning that it's often given the melody or singing line in compositions, it is also possible to play the violin as a harmonic instrument as well. This means that we can play more than one note at a time, which allows us to essentially accompany ourselves. Many, although not all, solo repertoire uses this concept to make the music more complex and interesting to listen to. If we play two notes at once, that's called a double stop, and three to four notes at a time is called a chord, just like a piano or a guitar. Both of these techniques are very difficult to play well, and that makes many solo violin repertoire 
intimidating and technical. So the biggest and most famous work for solo violin are the six solo sonatas and partitas by Johann Sebastian Bach. These works of art are both beautiful and difficult for the player and takes a violinist a lifetime to master. Solo Bach, as we call it, are almost always required to be played in conservatory auditions and all classical violinists can play at least some of the movements. Bach is very hard to play well because the player is completely exposed. There's no piano harmony to hide behind and your sound needs to be very in tune and the quality very pure. The biggest and baddest of all the solo Bach is the last movement of the D minor partita, the Shekko. The violinist plays up to four voices at once in this piece and needs to have a lot of stamina to get through it because it's a very long work. This is one of the most important works in the entire violin repertoire and you must absolutely listen to it if you haven't already. So that's the Bach Chaconne. I'm going to have all of these recommendations in the show notes. Bach wrote an equivalent masterpiece for solo cello, which is the sixth. The first movement of the first suite you've heard before, it's the most famous, and you've heard it played by Yo-Yo Ma or perhaps in some sort of jingle because it's been uh, replicated in many different ways. So that's the solo repertoire. A subcategory of the solo violin piece is the caprice or etude, which is a study or exercise that's meant to develop a specific technique, but is also performed as a standalone piece. The most famous of these performance etudes are the Paganini 24 Caprices, which are an incredibly virtuosic piece that is often performed as an encore in a solo recital or any sort of concert. The most famous of his caprices is number 24, which you've definitely heard before, either performed on violin or even as a ringtone. These caprices are often used in auditions as well. Most graduate schools require potential applicants to perform one of these to demonstrate their technical mastery. So that is all the kinds of music that I would qualify as solo repertoire. Let's now take a look at the accompanied repertoire. This category can be broken up into further subcategories. And the ones that I'll be talking about today are the concerto, the solo accompanied piece, the sonata, and the showpiece. Let's get right into it with the concerto, which is the biggest of these works. A violin concerto is a piece written for solo violin and accompanied by orchestra. These works can be absolutely ginormous and can last up to 45 minutes or even longer and are often extremely difficult for the player. The violin needs to be able to project over 50, 80, maybe even 100 other musicians playing behind them without a mic. Learning a concerto is often the most exciting part of learning rep as a budding violinist, but we unfortunately don't all have orchestras at our disposal. So most concertos have an arrangement of the orchestral part written for piano, which is called a piano reduction. This allows violinists to play, rehearse, and perform the piece much more often and more accessibly. Playing with orchestra is actually a very rare and wonderful opportunity for most violinists and is often reserved for the top of the top concert performers, competition winners, and overall violin superstars. So if you hear a concert with a violinist performing a concerto, you know that they must be excellent. Another feature of most concerti is that they are written in three movements, usually fast, slow, fast. 
Near the end of the first movement, the orchestra will go silent and the performer will play something called a cadenza, which is the most virtuosic and technically demanding part of the piece. You can consider this the equivalent of a guitar solo in a rock song. Historically, cadenzas were actually improvised, but now most violins play written cadenzas. Some cadenzas are standard and published in editions of the sheet music, but some violinists will actually opt to commission new ones or even write their own. I have a whole episode about improvisation and the role of cadenzas in classical music, so that's all I'll say about that for today. Concertos have been around since the Baroque times, and the most famous of these Baroque concertos has got to be the Vivaldi Four Seasons. You have very likely heard most of these pieces, but if you haven't already, I would highly recommend checking out a period performance played on Baroque instruments. I have some of them linked in the show notes. This will give you a better idea of the style in which the music was actually played in back in the day, usually with a much smaller orchestra and no conductor. The biggest concerti and the ones that violinists are usually the most eager to learn, however, are of the Romantic era. The Romantic concerto often pushed the technical boundaries of their time, and the first movement is almost always a requirement in conservatory auditions. I have tried to narrow down my top three picks to best illustrate the variation and style of this era, and so the three works that I would recommend that you listen to are the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto, the Sibelius Violin Concerto, and the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto, although there are so many equally important works in the repertoire. The Tchaikovsky itself is a massive undertaking lasting almost 40 minutes of nonstop, very technical endeavors. So that should give you a little bit of context on concertos. Next up, let's talk about sonatas. Another type of accompanied work is the violin sonata, which is essentially a duet between a violin and another instrument, usually piano. Sonatas are usually in four movements and follow a musical structure called sonata form. The details of sonata form are beyond the scope of this episode, but you can consider it a musical blueprint that each movement follows. A sonata is considered a form of chamber music, which was historically played in a chamber or more intimate setting, but are now more commonly performed in recitals in a recital hall. It is actually impossible for me to give you just three sonatas to listen to, but I tried. One of the most famous violin sonatas is Beethoven's fifth, the Spring Sonata. Beethoven wrote nine sonatas, and they are all very important works in the repertoire, but the Spring Sonata is probably the most well-known and most often played. Another really big composer for violin sonatas is Brahms, who only wrote three, but they're all like absolutely amazing. And I think, and this is just my opinion, that that most violinists love to play sonatas over all other types of work. Playing a solo piece can be super stressful since there's nowhere to hide, and the concerto is often so virtuosic and difficult. The sonata is not as flashy, and I personally think it's where we can find some of the most beautiful works for violin. Don't get me wrong, many sonatas are just as difficult to get right as a concerto, and they can actually require a higher level of musical maturity, but they're very interactive with the piano, and that's what makes them so fun to play. My personal favorite sonata is by the French Impressionist composer Debussy, so if you haven't listened to that one, you should definitely add it to your list. The next category I'm going to cover is the 
accompanied counterpart of the solo piece, which I'm naming the solo accompanied piece. Great title, I know. Uh, This music is often a standalone piece, not necessarily divided into movements, but it also can be. This category is also more vague and kind of a catch-all, more so than the others, uh, hence my very vague description. And it can basically include anything that doesn't fit into the structure of a concerto, sonata, or any other category that I mentioned. There are also uh, they are also often on the shorter side, and the accompaniment is very often a piano. But again, it can really be any other instrument or um, any length. It could be accompanied by a classical guitar or even by full orchestra. Along with the sonata, this music is often included in a concert violinist solo recital. When I think of this type of work, I'm usually thinking of a slow lyrical piece such as the Meditation by Massenet or the Melodie by Tchaikovsky, but in reality, this is probably the most flexible and exciting type of work written for violin. Bit of a side note here, but one album that I want to mention that will perfectly capture the diversity of the solo violin with accompanied piece is 27 Pieces, the Hilary Hahn Encore album. Hilary Hahn, uh, who is one of my favorite violinists, commissioned all of these pieces by living composers and by performing them in an album, she has now introduced them into the violin repertoire. I was a student around the time this album was released, and I had friends who performed some of these new works as part of their graduation recitals alongside their solo Bach and Brahms sonatas. This is a really big deal because in the classical world, we tend to only play music written by dead people. By commissioning all of this work, Hilary Hahn has helped to expand the repertoire that we play. So anyways, this is not a discussion I'm really going to get into today, but if you want to listen to what the solo violin piece can be now or is now and uh, written by diverse living composers, then you should definitely check this album out. The last accompanied category I will cover today is the showpiece. I think technically this would be a subcategory of the solo accompanied piece, but I personally think that this type of music is so different that it deserves its own category. A showpiece is a virtuosic work meant to impress a listener, pretty much a piece to flex your violin skills. That said, there are some really awesome showpieces that I find very musically interesting and fun to listen to. The showpiece is often written for either violin and orchestra or violin and piano. Like the concerto, the orchestra parts also have piano reduction so that violinists can play and perform the piece without having to hire 50 other musicians to accompany them. The way you can tell the difference between a showpiece with orchestra and a concerto is that the concerto will be divided into movements, whereas the showpiece is almost always standalone. Also, composers of showpieces were often violinists themselves, and they knew the ins and outs of the instrument so well that they can truly write for the instrument in a very impressive way. The Paganini caprices that I mentioned earlier could also definitely be considered a showpiece, but since Paganini chose to name it a caprice, I included it as a performance etude. Paganini wrote many other showpieces as well, and all of them are impossibly difficult. To give you a bit of context, Paganini was a violinist from uh, himself, and he was one of the most virtuosic players of his time. He was very tall and had very big hands, which allowed him to reach very large intervals and chords on the violinist, of which he includes many in his music. It was also said that he sold his soul to the devil to play as well as he did. 
Some other very important composers in the showpiece category are Fritz Kreisler with pieces such as Preludium and Allegro. Another is Wieniawski with the Scherzo Tarantel and his Polonaise. All three of these composers were highly acclaimed violinists in their day as well as pedagogues. My personal favorite composer violinist, though, was the Spanish composer Pablo uh, Sarasate, who wrote ton of who wrote a ton of show pieces. If you were to choose just one, I would recommend starting with Zigunerweisen. It is a super piece that pretty much everyone loves, and it's really fun to play since it's classical but influenced by Eastern-sounding harmonies that I think most people really like. That is it. I know that there was a lot of information there, so let me summarize. There is a ton of repertoire written for violin, but we can mostly organize them into categories with a bit of overlap. These big categories are accompanied or unaccompanied, and in unaccompanied, we have the concerto, the sonata, the solo piece, and the showpiece. I have a Spotify playlist with all of the works that I've mentioned in this episode, as well as some others. So if you want to listen to some music, you should definitely check that out. I've selected my favorite recordings and put them all together for you as an easy place to start. I also have listed the specific works and albums that I talked about in the show notes if you would like a quick reference. So next time you listen to some violin music, see if you can figure out what type of work you're listening to. You can ask yourself what, if any, accompaniment there is, and listen to see if the piece is divided into different movements. I really hope that this will make the listening a little bit more fun and understandable for anyone that is getting into classical music for the very first time. All right, that's it. So the podcast is now on Instagram. You can follow it at Violin Class Pod if you want to have any updates on new episodes coming out. I also have a quick favor to ask if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts. I would super highly appreciate if you took a second to rate and review the podcast. Apparently, this gives a nice boost um, and helps people find it more easily uh, if they're looking for more information on violin in the podcast. So if you could take a quick second to do that. And also make sure to check out uh, that Spotify playlist. It is in the show notes for you um, and all set up and ready to go. So that's it. Next week, uh, we'll be back with another episode. This time it's going to be about how to get back into practicing if it's been a while away. So stay tuned for next Tuesday, a new episode. In the meantime, take care. (laughs) 